This is WTMJ Nights. And now here's your host, Dan Schaefer. Greetings and welcome to WTMJ Nights. I am your host this evening. My name is Dan Schaefer. Thank you so much for joining us. So glad you could be with us today on WTMJ Nights. Again, my name is Dan Schaefer. I'm your guest host this evening. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with me and my work, my I publish, write and publish a weekly opinion column called The Recombobulation Area. It covers news and politics in Milwaukee and Wisconsin, and it is in local independent publication. So if you want to find out more, check us out at therecombobulationarea.news, therecombobulationarea.substack.com, and you can, of course, find me on Twitter at Dan R. Schaefer, where I'm occasionally tweeting about things other than my beloved Milwaukee Bucks. I'm so glad you could be with us today. Uh, we have a terrific show lined up for you. Uh, we have a number of guests who will be joining us today. Uh, State Representative Evan Goyke is going to be joining us at about 7.30. Uh, he's going to be joining us in studio to talk about his campaign for Milwaukee City Attorney. Uh, that will be kind of one of the themes of the show today. We'll be on those local elections uh, that we have in the city of Milwaukee coming up. Uh, the primary for the spring election is just over two months away. I know we are, can often be very inundated with the election cycle here in uh, here in Wisconsin, uh, and we're kind of at a rare low point right now, but that's going to be ramping up soon, and we're going to be taking a look ahead to that. So if you have any thoughts on those upcoming elections, any thoughts on that, uh, we are going to be taking your calls as well, uh, 855-616-1620 uh, on the Old National Bank talk and text line. You can call in. Join us on the show. Have a conversation here. I uh, would be glad to talk with you this evening during the show. Uh, and, of course, we'll be, we'll be taking your texts as well and responding on the air today. So we'll be joined by Evan Goyke, who will be joining us in studio at about 7.30. Uh, he's going to be talking about his campaign for Milwaukee City Attorney and reflecting on his time in the state legislature. Mr. Goyke has been uh, in the state legisl- uh, been in the Wisconsin State Assembly uh, for more than a decade, so we'll be talking about uh, his time there, his campaign uh, for Milwaukee City Attorney coming up this spring. That will certainly be one of those races to watch. Uh, also at 8.30, we are going to be joined by Jeremy Janine, the president and founder of Urban Milwaukee. He is going to be talking to us about some of those other local elections that are happening this year uh, or happening next year. You know, it's uh, 2024, big election year, of course, uh, with, the, with the fall presidential election, the race for U.S. Senate, all the races, all the congressional races, state Senate, state assembly, all down the line. But... Before we get to that part of the election calendar, before we get to that, we've got a spring election as well, and that's going to be uh, a really important one uh, for the city of Milwaukee, for Milwaukee County. So we're going to be talking to Jeremy, who covers City Hall uh, and follows uh, everything that's happening uh, on the ballot in Milwaukee uh, very closely. And so he is going to be sharing some insights with us uh, as well. Uh, we are also going to be joined during the 8 o'clock hour by uh, State Representative Dora Drake. She is a uh, state representative from the city of Milwaukee, and she is the chair of the Legislative Black Caucus. Uh, Legislative Black Caucus was ma- made a quite a bit of news this past week uh, in the debate 
uh, over UW system funding uh, and DEI, Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, the Legislative Black Caucus, uh, was one of the groups most vocally uh, out there advocating for uh, DEI to to continue uh, in the form that it had been and, and perhaps even increase. I guess we'll, we'll talk to Representative Drake uh, about that when she joins the show next hour. Uh, but for right now, uh, we are going to be taking your calls, taking your texts on the Old National Bank talk and text line. Again, I'm your guest host this evening. My name is Dan Schaefer. I write and publish a weekly opinion column called The Recombobulation Area. I've hosted this show on WTMJ Nights a number of times now, so if you're so maybe you have heard me on the airways before. I also join uh, Steve Scafidi every Tuesday on WTMJ Now. Uh, we, we talk about the news. We talk about the, perhaps the columns that I've been writing. Uh, and we always have uh, a good good debate. We don't always agree on everything, which I think is always makes for a, for a fun time on the show. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it, it's a good conversation. And uh, so that... Those of you who are regular listeners here at 620 WTMJ, uh, that's perhaps where you might know me from. Uh, I've I've also been a journalist here in Milwaukee for more than a decade. I've worked at BizTimes Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Business Journal, Milwaukee Magazine, and have since uh, started my own publication called The Recombibulation Area. And yes, that is named after the famous post-security area in the Milwaukee airport, a -a one-of-a-kind place that uh, does not exist at any other airport. And, you know, I thought it made for a good name for a political opinion column because we have a very discombobulating news cycle here in uh, in Wisconsin, here in Milwaukee. And, you know, we all need a place to uh, to take a take a moment, take a beat, you know, put your shoes back on, gather your things, recombobulate a little bit before you uh, move on to your destination. So that's what I like to bring with the recombobulation here. I do a lot of in-depth work. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of the opinion columns that I write are not exactly short. Uh, I've I've written a lot of uh, you know longer features, uh, previews. Last election cycle, I previewed every last race on the ballot in the Wisconsin state legislature. That was more than 115 races. So I uh, guess you could say I, I like to like to take a deep dive on certain things. So uh, if you're if you're interested in joining the conversation here on WTMJ Nights this evening, uh, I'm going to be here hosting from 7 to 9. Uh, and you can, of course, call and text the Old National Bank talk and text line 855-616-1620. Uh, I believe we are coming up close to a break here and uh, we are going to be headed to commercial but uh, stick with us we'll go over some of the day's headlines when we return so uh, WTMJ Nights I'm your guest host Dan Schaefer stick with us welcome back to WTMJ Nights I am your guest host this evening my name is Dan Schaefer I'm the founder and writer of the Recombobulation Area, a weekly opinion column and online publication covering news and politics in Milwaukee and Wisconsin. Thank you so much for joining this, joining us this evening. Uh, we have a great show scheduled for you today. We have uh, State Representative Evan Goike. Uh, of Milwaukee is going to be joining us at 7.30 to talk about his campaign for Milwaukee City Attorney. Uh, Representative Dora Drake of Milwaukee is going to be joining us uh, at the top of the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, she is the chair of the Legislative Black Caucus, and she has uh, she has been uh, vocal on the uh, UW and uh, Republican 
a deal on funding uh, uh, funding pieces of the university system funding. Uh, and then in the 8.30 hour, at 8.30, we're going to be joined by Jeremy Janine of Urban Milwaukee. Uh, he's going to be talking to us about some of the upcoming uh, local elections that are happening you know, not in the not-too-distant future here in Milwaukee. Uh, we have a brief pause in our election calendar, but that's uh, that's going to be changing soon uh, in, as the spring election approaches, just over two months away from the uh, February primary there. And uh, we are also taking your calls here uh, in the first segment of the show. You can call us at the Old National Bank talk and text line 855-616-1620. And we do have a caller who's going to be joining us here. Brandon in New Berlin, thank you for, thank you for joining us here on WTMJ Nights. Uh, thank you for having me, sir. Uh, why is the Republican deal? I'm sorry? You just, uh, in your opening, you said it was a Republican deal. Why is that? So there, basically what happened with this deal with the UW system is that a number of Republican leaders negotiated a deal, a deal with the UW system. Uh, and that deal uh, you know, was essentially voted on early, um, uh, I guess it was Wednesday evening. Uh, they had a vote. Sure. They had a vote Saturday. It was voted down. They brought the same deal back, uh, essentially so the same deal back for the, on Wednesday. For the Board of Regents, correct? For the Board of Regents, yes. They voted it okay. down on Saturday, and then they brought it back uh, on Wednesday Ooh, and approved it. And a number of the uh, appointees uh, kind of flipped their vote uh, and ended up approving the deal. Uh, I have a question. Do you, uh, do you know what DEI actually is? Well, it stands for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. And, uh, Correct. Have you ever taken a DEI course at uh, whatever company you work for, whatever the, the, the parent company that you have is? Have you ever done it? I, I haven't personally, but I'm, I'm very familiar okay. with that type of work. I know some people who do some uh, important work in that field. So I work in HR. You know what that means, right? Yes. It basically, you demonize white people. Demonize that I mean, your view of DEI is that it demonizes white people. So diversity, equity, and inclusion is something that you perceive as demonizing white people. You know, this is a, a not uncommon uh, reaction that we saw from a lot of Republicans. Republicans had some had some harsh things to say about DEI, and I think it was can, interesting that I, the reaction from a number of the people, uh, you know, who were I, I guess in I, favor of this, you know, people from the Legislative Black Caucus, seem to see a lot of value in right. that. Can, 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 I, can I tell you one thing? Get a PowerPoint presentation and read over it. That's all I ask. In what uh, Republic or uh, Representative Drake or whoever the hell you're going to have on, fine. Get a PowerPoint presentation from her and tell me that it's not a demonization of white people. I guess we'll have to do that. I guess we'll have to do that. Well, it, 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 diversity, well, equity, inclusion it. is not are a you, demonization project. And, and uh, thank you for the call. Thank you for the call. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're, we're interested in having this conversation. I think there are, uh, this is one of those topics where there's been, you know, a lot of competing views on. People were very heated about this uh, over the course of the week. And, I, you know, I'm interested in hearing from uh, Representative Drake later today, because I, later in the show, because I think, you know, they, the, her perspective and the perspective that has been brought forth uh, by the Legislative Black Caucus this week and in, in wanting to, to keep DEI as part of the deal in the university and value diversity and value uh, equity 
equity, inclusion, these these types of things, and not put that on the chopping block, not having that necessarily negotiated, uh, I, I think is is one of those things that, you know, it's been very contentious. It's a very complicated deal. I think there, there are a number of reasons why the regents may have supported it one way or another. Uh, you know, we saw some strong views on that from Republicans who, who had some, uh, you know, very negative about DEI. But it's, you know, it's it's a contentious issue. And I think in, in the state of Wisconsin, where we have a whole lot of racial disparities, I think it's important to to focus on ways that we can address that ways. And whether that's DEI, maybe it is, maybe it's not. But I think it we do need to recognize that we do have some serious disparities in this state. And then we do have some real problems uh, that we do need to recognize. Uh, again, my name is Dan Schaefer. I'm Dan Schaefer, I'm your guest host this evening. We're taking your calls on the show, uh, 855-616-1620. And we are going to be headed to break right now. Uh, and we will be uh, just a quick break here. And we will be, uh, we'll be back with you in just a couple minutes. Stick with us. Welcome back to WTMJ Nights. I'm your guest host this evening. My name is Dan Schaefer. Thank you for joining us. We've got a great show planned for you for you today. We've got Evan Goike, state representative from Milwaukee, joining us. It's uh, about seven thirty. He's going to be talking to us about his campaign for Milwaukee City Attorney. Uh, we're going to be joined in the eight o'clock hour by Representative Dora Drake of the Legislative Black Caucus, and later that hour, uh, we're going to be joined by Jeremy Janine of Urban Milwaukee. He's going to be talking about uh, some upcoming local elections. But before we get to any of that, we're going to talk about a look, couple of the headlines in the news today. Um, one of the headlines that came late in the day today uh, was on. Former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Uh, AP headline says the jury, a jury awards $148 million in damages to Georgia election workers over Rudy Giuliani's 2020 vote lies. So what happened was there are two former Georgia election workers who sued Rudy Giuliani for defamation over lies he spread about them in the 2020 election said that it, the, they alleged that it upended their lives with racist threats and harassment. Uh, that ruling came late today. So, you know, really has not been a great week for election deniers uh, overall. There was also some uh, news this week with uh, Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson uh, talking about the fake electors in Wisconsin making allegations that this was happening all the time and Democrats were doing this and that. Uh, a great interview with with CNN's Caitlin Collins, who really broke that down, uh, fact-checked him on it. I would encourage people to, uh, to check that one out. So Ron Johnson getting a little bit of hot water over that interview. Rudy Giuliani having to... Uh, Having to pay quite a quite a chunk of change here over the defamation uh, claim defamation lawsuit uh, that was happening in Georgia. Uh, you also heard if at the top of the hour of the news we talked to, to uh, there was some some news from Wisconsin Secretary of State Sarah Godlewski taking uh, Wisconsin Elections Commissioner Bob Spindell to task uh, on his role uh, in the fake elector spot. He was one of the ten uh, fake electors. So you know these this, these stories uh, of. Uh, what happened after the 2020 election now, you know, now about three years ago, the, the bills starting to come to do for a lot of these, the chickens are coming home to roost in a lot of ways. So it's, uh, it's a very interesting time, uh, as, as we look ahead to 2024, as we look ahead to the presidential election calendar, you know, how are these, uh, election denials going to play out in the future? 
you know, I think it's pretty interesting uh, how often we are we are finally seeing some 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 level of accountability here. Uh, and frankly, I think it would be a good thing that we saw a little bit more accountability in the state of Wisconsin with uh, some of these some of these fake electors attorneys that worked on the plot to overturn the election. Uh, you know, Bob Spindell is a member of the Wisconsin Elections Commission, appointed by Republicans. He was reappointed to the Wisconsin Elections Commission by Senator Devin Lemahue after he was among the 10 fake electors. Uh, there was also a news story today uh, where some liberal groups in the state of Wisconsin were seeking an ouster of Wisconsin Judicial Ethics Panel. Uh, Trump lawyer Jim Trupas, former judge who is deeply involved in Trump's efforts to overturn Wisconsin's 2020 election results uh, and advised those fake electors. He's still uh, on a state judicial ethics panel uh, you know, folks like Bob Spindell, folks like Jim Troopas, they're going to be causing problems for the state of Wisconsin uh, if uh, if they remain in those roles going forward. I think we need to uh, have a little bit higher standards uh, in the state of Wisconsin for uh, a number of those really important positions. And uh, and looking ahead to 2024, uh, you know, there's going to be. There, it, it's it's Wisconsin. It's a swing state. It's going to be contentious, and so uh, you know I think we need to we need to realign some of those fundamentals. Get people who have were participating uh, in that plot uh, to overturn the election. I don't think they should be in election related roles going forward in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, but we are going to be taking your calls on that on the old National Bank talk and text line eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is 855-616-1620 on the old National Bank talk and text line. And we're next up, we're going to be going over to the WTMJ Breaking News Center. And here's Wyatt Barmore-Pooley. Welcome back to WTMJ Nights. I'm your guest host this evening. My name is Dan Schaefer. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, if you'd like to join the conversation with us at all, the old National Bank talk and text line is open, 855-616-1620. And I'm very excited to be joined by our next guest uh, this evening. We are joined by State Representative... Evan Goike, who has been uh, in the state legislature in the state assembly for more than a decade and is now running for Milwaukee City Attorney. So, Mr. Goike, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, so, uh, the we're you know one of the themes of the show that we have tonight is we're talking about some of the local elections that's coming up. We're going to be joined by Jeremy Janine of Urban Milwaukee later in the show. He's going to be talking about uh, some of the some of those elections, and you're. Running in one of those uh, one of those elections, you're running for uh, the office of Milwaukee City Attorney. So tell us, why are you running for this office? Uh, well, it's a it's an office that a lot of people listening may not know exists because it's usually a pretty quiet and unheard from office. Uh, but it, it 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 works with every agency and department and corner of city government. It really is part of the grease that makes the wheels and gears of city government move and. We've seen in the last couple of years um, a little chaos and dysfunction in the office, a lot of turnover of uh, you know experienced, qualified lawyers, and we've seen the negative effects on city operation and city services when that happens. And it's an office I've worked with in the past, and I've seen firsthand what the lawyers in that office do. Uh, I'm a lawyer, 2009 graduate of Marquette Law School. I've always been interested and always used my law degree, and thought this is the time to raise my hand and um, you know bring back world-class legal representation for the city and the people of Milwaukee. 
Yeah, this is one of those under the radar offices. We don't we don't often see the city attorney on the news the way we might with the mayor or the county executive or, or somebody like that. Uh, and and I think it is it's an interesting time for that office because we had uh, you know Grant Langley served as the Milwaukee city attorney from 1984 to 2020. Uh, so that was a, that was a really long time. I'm uh, not. I mean, I, I have a, a, a tremendous amount of respect for Attorney Langley. He's supporting my candidacy. Um, I can, I think, hereby announce I do not intend on serving a city attorney for 36 years. <laughs> tenure, don't I don't think I can repeat. Any records no, there. no, no, no. He's got it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, since, uh, you know, Tierman Spencer has has served as Milwaukee city attorney uh, for the past four years or close to four years now, uh, it's it's been a little bit of an up and down ride. What what about you know his tenure uh, as city attorney has made you think maybe it's time for a change? Well, first I'll start by saying and admitting that I supported him in 2020. Um, you know I voted for him, so I had high expectations that he would serve and that that office would follow through with the campaign promises that he made in 2020. Um, many of those things are you know things that I agree with ideologically, but um, you know pretty soon or almost immediately upon taking office, it, it was um, you know challenges, personality driven challenges really in my opinion that led to um, you know an inability for the office to function. So uh, look, the city attorney's office, one of the things that I really care about that that uh, I've seen them do in my own neighborhood on the near west side, is they handle some really important public safety and quality of life issues for city residents, neighborhood issues like uh, code enforcement on properties or, or licensed businesses. I mean, these are things that, you know, as a state legislature, we de- we dealt with a lot. You get a lot of calls from neighbors that have complaints or problems with various properties. And the city attorney's office, in essence, is the prosecutor on those uh, on those city violations. And it can go a long way when we pay attention to the quality of life on the block and the neighborhood in the city. It can go a lot, a long way to improve public safety. And really, um, that's what I'm setting out to do. So it's not not those big type of, you're not getting a big headline with uh, some code enforcement <laughs> or things like that. But but it is a very, it's a very important role. You know, I think it it should be headlines. You know, there have been long and, and very public stories about the role the city attorney has played in enforcing quality standards on housing. A lot of people are paying huge chunks of their hard-earned income to live in housing that is substandard, that you and I would not ha- allow our kids to live in, and they're paying 30 40 50 percent of their income to live there, and and it's not right. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not denigrating landlords. I'm not casting them all in a bad light. But when people are paying their hard-earned money, they should get a quality product. And there are tools in existing law that we will prioritize under my uh, – once I'm elected and take office in my administration as city attorney that will uphold standards for everybody in the city. There's sh- nobody should be going to bed tonight living with you know, the fear of a, an electrical fire because the the property hasn't been updated to code. That, that, that shouldn't be the case. We can – and we can and should demand better. Evan Goyke, state representative from Milwaukee, currently running for the office of Milwaukee City Attorney. Uh, we're going to be headed to break right now, but Evan is going to be sticking with us for our next set- segment. So you can stick with us as well. This is Dan Schaefer with WTMJ Nights. Welcome back to WTMJ Nights. My name is Dan Schaefer. I am your guest host this evening. Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to join the conversation with us today, call us, text us at the Old National Bank talk and text line 
You can also hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Dan R. Schaefer. I'm pretty active on that website, as many people know. Uh, so you can uh, shoot me a tweet as well. I can uh, We can have the conversation, bring that conversation from the online to the airwaves. Uh, and we are joined for this uh, this half hour of the show uh, by State Representative Evan Goike, who has been talking to us about his campaign for the office of Milwaukee City Attorney. Now, so what are the, some of the things that Milwaukee City Attorney's office could be doing but isn't doing right now? Well, we we talked at the end of the last segment about some of the quality of life and public safety and kind of nuisance enforcement issues, and that's a top priority. I think we really want to highlight that again here because it intersects with public safety and neighborhood safety and the quality of life of people that live in in you know any neighborhood throughout the city. Uh, we're also the prosecutors in municipal court, and that is often where drivers, if they are cited and ticketed for an offense that, you know, a municipal offense, not a criminal action. That's a district attorney in the courthouse. But, you know, a lot of the reckless driving offenses that we see are done at the city level in municipal court. And we need to have a more creative and more proactive approach to people that are continuing to drive recklessly. And, you know, we see this, right? You, you, you know, you and I, I think, have probably even talked about it in the past of, you see these headlines of people, we're losing too many lives, too many young kids, especially. We have to be willing to crack down on people that are continuing to drive recklessly. Our streets should be safe for everybody. Um, you know, and then and then real, one of the, the the city attorney's office handles, you know, the city is a big operation and, and it, it is subject to lawsuits, you know, somewhat regularly. And that's not unique to Milwaukee. That's true for any city our size. Uh, but we're self-insured, and that means when there are um, cases against us that we have to settle or awards that we have to pay out, that's that comes from our that's our money, that's you know our property taxes, and uh, and and so it's really about mitigating risk and mitigating I- exposure, keeping you know uh, helping the finances. There's a lot of priorities the city needs to fund, and and you know making sure that lawsuits aren't one of them. I mean, so that we can put money into growing the community and housing and public safety and all the things that. Um, that we should be focusing on. So it's 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 representing the city and the city's interest and city employees if they are sued as they're working in the line of duty or or you know say you know a garbage truck or police you know those are uh, cases that that we defend the city the city's interest and the city's employees. So it's a uh, active. We're in like every court right municipal, state, and federal. Um, a lot of lawyers. It's a big operation. It's an important operation. As I said earlier in the first segment, it, it's a bit of an octopus. The tentacles kind mm-hmm. of reach out and touch all the different departments and we provide legal advice um, you know to those departments to the mayor uh, to the common council and so uh, we really work in every little corner of city government and 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 my goal and my intent is to make sure that we are efficient and effective and transparent and open with what we're doing and uh, I'll try to lead by example and create a culture of of, of people that want to work that believe in the city and provide world-class legal representation at a fraction of the cost I mean that's the goal we're talking with Evan Goike, who is running for Milwaukee City Attorney. You know, you mentioned the the reckless driving issue. This has obviously been a priority of, of much of the leadership in the city of Milwaukee over the past couple of years. You know, Mayor Cavalier Johnson, when, when he was running for office, talked about that issue as a high priority. You know, I think even today there was some, some news coming out uh, that the city received uh, $4 million in infrastructure funding uh, to improve traffic safety. But there is, you know, and I think it's really important that the mayor has prioritized some of these infrastructure changes with DPW but of course, the courts and, and the city attorney's office has a role in this, and in, in making sure, um, you know, the ma- making sure that these 
these things are carried out all the way through, right? Is that is that kind of yeah, the way you see this, the role in, in addressing that type of issue, which is obviously a big one? It's a big one, and it, and it is there is no one solution that can address and solve reckless driving in a large city, right? So infrastructure is a key po- part of that. There's, you know, happy to vote for a bill recently in the legislature that will bring back driver's education in schools. That's a part of it as well, but so, another big part so, of it. so too is enforcing the law. And when people are in court and if they – especially those that have repeat offenses and long records of continuing to drive dangerously and we got to hold them accountable and we got to get creative with it and you know the status quo isn't working and we're going to take a, a more proactive approach to address the issue. We're talking with Evan Goyke, state representative from Milwaukee, who is re- uh, running for Milwaukee city attorney. Uh, but uh, Representative Goyke has also been part of the Wisconsin State Legislature in the Wisconsin State Assembly for more than a decade. And we're going to be uh, talking to him a little bit about, you know, about that time there after we uh, after we come back from a break here. So we'll reflect uh, on that time uh, in the Wisconsin State Assembly with uh, with Representative Goiki here on WTMJ Nights. We'll be right back. Welcome back to WTMJ Nights. I'm your guest host this evening. My name is Dan Schaefer. You can join the show, join the conversation with us at the Old National Bank Talk and Text Line 855-616-1620. Uh, and we've been joined for the for the much of this half hour here by State Representative Evan Goyke talking about his campaign for Milwaukee City Attorney. If you have a question for uh, for, for Mr. Goyke here, feel free to give us a call, shoot us a text. Again, the old National Bank Talk and Text Line eight five five six one six. 1620. So we were talking to uh, Mr. Goyke here about his campaign for Milwaukee City Attorney. But, you know, were he to win this election that's coming up in, uh, in just a couple months here, uh, that would mean he'd be leaving the state legislature where he has served for uh, more than a decade. So, uh, and when you look back on that more than a decade that you've spent in the state legislature now, uh, serving in the Joint Finance Committee, uh, you know, what are some of your thoughts on on that experience? As as now that it is, you know, much of it is in the rearview mirror. <laughs> now that I'm like the old guy in the room, I don't feel old. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it. Um, you know, I'm proud to say that I've worked very hard for my 11 years in the state legislature. I took it seriously. I missed one vote, um, and I was on my honeymoon, uh, and and so I, I think in my entire time I've not missed a committee hearing. I, my son was born on a Sunday, and we were debating joint finance later that week, and I remember going into the, the Capitol all blurry-eyed. I didn't know what day it was, <laughs> but I was there. I think I made sense, and or at least I tried. So you know, I approached it with uh, you know seriousness and dedication. Uh, I know that I've impacted the debate. Uh, throughout the time, you know, I've spent every day of my time in the legislature in the very deep minority. I'm a Democrat, and mm-hmm. we have not been in the majority the entire time I'm there. Uh, so, you know, I've been able to work with Republicans and get a number of things done. Um, very proud of progress being made on juvenile justice. Um, you know, we've we've finally made some progress on local government funding, something that I've been, you know, was working on for years and years and years. So there's a lot there that I'm proud of. Um, You know, as I reflect back, I I think a lot of people that listen um, and a lot of, and I I, I think the cynicism that a lot of people have is is largely earned. I get it. Like I'm I'm in it. I I see it. Um, But it's, I think politics too clouded by the national narrative and the national division. And when you start to really look and as I reflect on my time, what, 
what surfaces are the connections and friendships and and projects that I worked on with fellow Democrats, but also with Republicans. There is a lot more happening in a bipartisan fashion than will ever be reported on. Sometimes those things are pretty small, but sometimes they're, you know, relatively large. I mean, you know, I was saying in the first segment working with the city attorney's office and I think 2015, we were working on an item, a, a piece of legislation regarding stores that sold tobacco only and the kind of inability to go after, um, you know, community standards. There's a business in my neighborhood that was just a magnet for crime and disorder. And it was it was me and Senator Alberta Darling, a Republican from River Hills that worked on the bill. And we teamed up with like Marquette and Potawatomi and, and Molson Coors and Harley Davidson. And, you know, the Governor Walker signed the bill. And so it's you know, I look. I look back at the time, and 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 I'm proud that I made the effort to to work across the aisle. I'm proud that when that when my Republican colleagues reached out, that it was an open door. Um, but uh, there's so much more I wish we could have gotten done. There's so many more issues that we need to solve, and and you know, I look at the community where I live. I live on the near west side, near 27th and State, in the city of Milwaukee, and. You know, the economic reality in my neighborhood has not changed in a substantial way. It's still an impoverished community with a high unemployment rate. Crime remains an issue. Um, housing is an unsolved issue and, and mental health. I mean, and the list goes on. So, you know, I'm proud of the time that, I, that and, the, and the way that I served and the, and, the, and the energy and the time and the commitment that I put into the job. I, I, I tried to do it with my whole self, um, but I also, you know, uh, we could have done a lot more, and uh, there, you know, I, I'm I'm moving on. I'm excited about the new challenge. Um, it's it's a needed position for Milwaukee. I want to be a part of the city's renaissance and growth. And I am so bullish about Milwaukee. I mean, we're coming, we're talking, Dan, uh, from the Third Street Market Hall, and it is crazy. We we were complaining before we got on air about how hard it was to find parking. And here we are on the west side of downtown where a decade ago, it would have been a totally different feel. It is night and day. Night and it day. It is night and, and day down and, here. And, and we're Absolutely. like the grumpy old guys yeah, complaining yeah. about parking. But if, if you know, once I calm down about what I paid to park to come to your show, like <laughs> it's beautiful what's happening in this town. And there's so many good things happening in Milwaukee. We have great leaders in Milwaukee, and I'm excited to to be a part of that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I there's a list of things that I wish we could have addressed. Um, I'm excited to get out of partisan politics and move to nonpartisan mm-hmm. and 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 try to focus on problem solving a little bit more than the partisan arena allows you to. But you know, proud of the time and the energy that I put into it. Well, having not not missing a vote for as many times you did, they they hold some hearings at some pretty weird times in, oh, in yeah. the state legislature. I mean, I was, so I know you held a vote for joint finance this past year. At, I think it was two thirty in the morning that yeah, there was a we, key vote on childcare. You I, know, there's there's some real weird times. So I I can't imagine you're going to miss that that not aspect at all. of the job. I mean, I'll just tell you, yeah, we left the Capitol at like two thirty, three o'clock in the morning, and I remember the only two cars on the road on I ninety four in Waukesha County were me and uh, Representative Jesse Rodriguez, a Republican from Oak Creek because she's on the committee too and she called me and we're like talking to each other says, keep me awake we're the only two people i mean no i will not miss late nights i will not miss uh, you know the commute and all of that but it has it has exposed me to the entire state this is a beautiful state i absolutely love it i've gotten to travel the state i've gotten to meet people from every corner from every culture from every you know inch of the ideological spectrum it's a it's a once in a lifetime opportunity and I'm, I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to serve uh, for 11 years in the assembly. 
Evan Goyke, state representative from Milwaukee, now running for Milwaukee City Attorney. Thank you so much for joining us today, and uh, good luck out there getting your getting your car back. Head <laughs> yeah, back home. Thanks, Dan. Now I think I'm gonna hang out in this place for a little bit before I go home. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, news is next. We are headed to commercial. This is WTMJ Nights. Stick with us. This is WTMJ Nights. And now here's your host, Dan Schaefer. Welcome back to WTMJ Nights. I'm your guest host this evening. My name is Dan Schaefer. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, If you're unfamiliar with me and my work, I am the founder and writer of a political opinion column and online publication called The Recombobulation Area. Uh, You can find it online at therecombobulationarea.news, therecombobulationarea.substack.com, and you can, of course, find me on Twitter at Dan R. Schaefer, where I'm occasionally tweeting about things other than Milwaukee Bucks. Of course, politics included in that as well. Uh, We were joined last hour by uh, State Representative Evan Goyke uh, to talk about his campaign uh, for Milwaukee City Attorney. Uh, And we are going to be joined next by State State Representative Dora Drake of Milwaukee. She is the chair of the Legislative Black Caucus, uh, and she has uh, she and the Legislative Black Caucus have been pretty vocal about one of the big issues of this past week. Uh, they deal with the UW system uh, and uh, Republican leadership on DEI efforts in the state of Wisconsin. Dora, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for reaching out, Dan. Glad to be here tonight. So obviously, uh, a lot of news this week uh, from the Board of Regents. They voted on Saturday to oppose this deal and then voted again on Wednesday on the same deal uh, to support it. And and you and a number of Assembly Democrats uh, were very much opposed to this deal. You tweeted uh, a, a press release uh, along with the Legislative Black Caucus saying that as a caucus, a line must be drawn and the line is this, diversity, equity, and and inclusion is non-negotiable. Why did you and the Legislative Black Caucus take that position? Well, I think it's for a couple of reasons. So first, just the historical significance of what efforts around diversity, equity, and inclusion were supposed to address, right? Historically, we've seen that underrepresented groups, whether it's due to race, gender, sexual orientation, have been uh, pushed down throughout history and discriminated against. And so measures like um, those of DEI and our higher educational institutions was with the goal of to improve student success, you know, to ensure that there were barriers removed from that way, regardless of what your background was. People had access to opportunity. And so when the news came that there was a deal that was brokered between President Jay Rothman and Speaker Voss on, um, you know, how to get funds for the pay raises as well as funding that we know our UW systems have been asking for years now. Uh, let's be perfectly clear. One, there should never be any removal of resources when it comes to people that have been underrepresented for years to come. And number two, there was, this was seriously a breach of power. Speaker Voss and the, legislate, the state legislator already approved the pay raises for our UW system employees. And the only reason that he was holding them up was due to their stance on DE&I. And he wanted any measures of DE&I removed. 
And so the fact that Speaker Voss went and tried to, well, successfully circumvented the legislative process, one, is usually just a breach of power, and two, it brokered, it, it shows the length of what Republicans in our state are willing to do to get something done. And it's quite a shame, I think. Um, and do we understand that we want our higher education systems to be top tier? Absolutely. We want people to come to our state. We want people to have access to quality higher education. But there should never be a price tag that's put on a certain group of students. And the people that are going to impact the most are our students of color, people that need these resources, such as veterans, people that have disabilities, um, gender resources, or sexual orientation. And so it really was, um, there was no question as to why that was non-negotiable in getting the deal done. We're talking with Dora Drake, state representative uh, from the city of Milwaukee and the chair of the Legislative Black Caucus. She's reacting to uh, this week's deal uh, with the UW system and Republican leadership on uh, funding for a number of projects, raises that, as you mentioned, were already approved uh, in the state budget for UW system employees and, you know, the overall objection uh, to DEI by Republicans. You know, after after this vote and, and as this debate unfolded this week, uh, Assembly Speaker Robin Voss called DEI cancerous. Uh, Senate Republican leader uh, Chris Kapinga called it toxic, wasteful, racist ideology. What what is your bigger picture view on DEI in in more generally? Um, to be honest, Dan, um, it those it's they're ignorant comments, and this is why the comments that we shared um, that we believe not only as a legislative black caucus, but I would think all of us in our state value is making sure that everyone is in a place where they feel like they belong, and that their differences are celebrated and respected. I don't know about you, but that doesn't seem racist or bigoted to me. And what's even more confusing to me personally, in a state where, um, what's it called, black children can't read or write by the third grade, we still have a mass incarceration issue when it comes to African-Americans in our state. If you just go down the line of every space, health disparities, economic disparities, you will find African-Americans at the bottom as well as other racial groups. And so if we're the ones saying how harmful this can be to people that we care about, our brothers, our sisters, our family members, our cousins, our friends, then we are closest to the issue and we know what we're talking about. Anything that is defined as racist or bigoted is a definition of what we as leaders that make up the system respond to that will either make it easier or harder for someone to move forward. The actions that took place this week, unfortunately, will be a step in the wrong direction. And I fear of the president that's already being set, especially I think um, Speaker Voss tweeted how this is just the first step in removing any efforts around diversity, equity, inclusion. So now for anyone that values those um, matters and just believes that we should all be in a space where we should belong, that's going to be now much harder to fight and combat against. We're talking with State Representative Dora Drake. Uh, we are coming up on a break here, but Dora, can you stick with us for one more segment? Yep. 
Excellent. So we are. Th- th- my name is Dan Schaefer. I'm your guest host this evening. This is WTMJ Nights. If you have any thoughts, you want to join the conversation, hit us up at the Old National Bank talk and text line 855-616-1620. Uh, we're headed to break now, but we, but stick with us. We're continuing the conversation and we will be right back. Welcome back to WTMJ Nights. My name is Dan Schaefer. I'm your guest host this evening. And for the last segment, we are joined by State Representative Dora Drake, a Democrat from Milwaukee and the chair of the Legislative Black Caucus. We are reacting uh, to the news of the week on the UW Systems deal on DEI and a number of other funding measures. Um, And we were talking uh, right before the break about the reaction from Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, who talked about this as as a first step uh, towards, I guess, getting rid of DEI or attacking DEI. What was your reaction to to that comment in particular? And, And what would you like to see in a best case scenario going forward on an issue like this? Absolutely. So, I mean, quite frankly, when I saw the tweet, I wasn't surprised. It's because we knew this was the next step in what was happening. And I'm, I forgot to mention earlier in the segment, Dan, how we believe this is just part of a national strategy um, to overturn a lot of the protections that underrepresented groups have had, you know, due to the recent uh, Supreme Court overruling um, the court decision on affirmative action. We've been seeing steps of trying to roll back some of these protections. It wasn't only this deal, but in the legislature, Republicans try to overturn a minority teacher loan forgiveness program that actually had bipartisan support when it was signed into law several years ago, and now they try to turn it back. Um, but in terms of how to address this moving forward, uh, quite frankly, we need to stand 10 toes down and let folks know that this is not okay um, and that there should be no other efforts to push for this. Um, it's because in, in regards to the UW system deal, Governor Evers already had a lawsuit out suing the state because Robin Voss was illegally holding up already approved pay raises. So there's already a lawsuit that was in the process that we could have waited to see what was happening. We heard from students, faculty, and staff that one weren't even aware of the issue or what the situation of the deal. And we've heard from folks that they didn't, they would be okay without the pay raise if, you know, the cost was that it would potentially and would harm um, students of color on campus. And so I think moving forward, um, there needs to be steps about what that looks like in our UW system to ensure that those protections are still pro- uh, provided for our students. Um, I know that now part of the deal was that university systems won't have a program dedicated to hiring diverse staff. We need to look at what does that look like to ensure that our campuses and our faculty reflect the growing diversity and desire to be inclusive um, and to have diversity because I do believe that diversity is our strength moving forward. All right. We have a caller that is ready to join the conversation with us. Uh, We're talking here with State Representative Dora Drake and Jim from St. Francis is on the line. Jim, thank you for joining us. Yes, good evening. Uh, uh, First of all, uh, I want to compliment and thank uh, Representative Drake for fighting for uh, uh, the inclusion and the acceptance of uh, all students into our UW system. Uh, 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 white students, black students, students are non-traditional. In my career, I am an AP chemistry teacher at a local public high school. 
in my class, I have students from every ethnicity. Uh, I, these are the best of the best students. Uh, they are, uh, I have many students of different uh, color and ethnicity. Uh, they're just getting their first uh, um, uh, round of uh, college uh, uh, you know, admissions letters saying that they've been accepted. And when I hear Robin Voss say that this is a first step, when I hear Robin Voss say that uh, that sub- programs to support uh, uh, you know minority students going to UW Madison or UW uh, uh, System Schools are a cancer that must be eradicated from the state, it sickens me. As it, the Republicans say all the time that teachers indoctrinate students. Well, you know what? On this, I I I, I teach chemistry. I don't indoctrinate students, but you know what? Uh, today, as many of the, my students, uh, we had kind of a work day. They were working on some lab reports. I was uh, made a point of talking to uh, many of my uh, uh, minority students in that they have multiple scholars, uh, multiple college uh, acceptance uh, letters from and and you know emails from uh, UW Madison, Twin Cities. Loyola, Chicago, Marquette—you know uh, the, the the spectrum of the, of colleges. I mean, these are the best of the best. These are the future leaders of Wisconsin, and I made them aware of what the Republican dictatorship that runs Wisconsin, what Robin Volk and the captains of industry. Because remember, uh, this deal uh, was uh, uh, the, the the power brokers that uh, you know donate uh, big bucks for that engineering school. They could have told Bose and, the, and LeMahieu, hey, stop this garbage. We need that engineering school. You don't need to do this. But they were just fine with uh, uh, being with uh, uh, ripping off the futures of people of color in order to get this thing. That, that wasn't a trade that had to be made, but they forced it. Uh, they they uh, backed uh, the university president, Jay Rothman, down and uh, made sure that uh, – uh, they, we were willing to sell out our our young people that of color that many of which uh, you know might be the first ones in their families that are going to go to college. I had talked with the kids, and my message was, you know what, this is a state that is run by people that consider your admission to college here in one of our UW schools a cancer. I said, you guys, you can go anywhere, and you have the brains to take you to whatever whatever career you want to go. You want to be a doctor, a pharmacist, a nurse, an engineer. You're going to get there because you ha- you you worked hard throughout your you know your time in school. You're there. You're meeting the uh, ex- expectations that we have. You're exceeding them. Jim, do you make think a, you know, do you think this deal will make most of your college app, uh, admissions are offers? There's scholarships being offered. Don't do it in Wisconsin. You're not welcome in Wisconsin. You're not wanted in Wisconsin by the power brokers that run this state. Dan. Jim, do you think this makes it less likely for, for students like yours to seek higher education at a place like UW-Madison? I think it will. As this becomes known, as this becomes known that uh, Wisconsin basically uh, doesn't want to have and doesn't want to support and doesn't welcome students of color Maybe military veterans coming to, coming back that you know that you know we support them you know and their, and their unique challenges. I think it's going to make it a lot easier for those students to say, 
you know what? I, I don't want to go to Madison. I'm going to go up to uh, Minnesota Twin Cities where I'm going to live in a, a racial diverse area. I think it makes it a lot easier for our high flyers to flee Wisconsin. Representative Drake, any reaction to uh, to some of what uh, what our caller has been saying here? Um, I agree completely with what he said. And first, I want to thank you know the caller for just being a teacher. You guys are not supported the way we should, and we definitely address that. Um, but in terms of the response from students, absolutely, you know, and and some of the conversations I've had, whether it's um, trying to reach out to some of the regions prior to the first vote or just letting folks know that works in the system, you know, in the UW system or anywhere in education. The goal of trying to address the funding resources that the UW system needs is not going to address student retention. It's because, to the caller's point, I believe we're going, we are going to see a decreased number in enrollment. What student will want, want to come to and stay in our educational system if they learn about this deal. And that's part of the um, issue that Alafa shared with. We said point blank that we value the funding, the pay raises and buildings over the values of diversity, equity, inclusion, and realizing that that's a strength that all of us benefit. And so when students realize that, are learning it, even that are currently on campuses now, you can't tell me that they feel welcomed here. Jim, thanks so much for calling the show. Uh, Dora, I, any, and we just have about one more minute before we are headed to break here. Any final thoughts uh, on where we, where this issue is, is headed next uh, in the Wisconsin State Legislature and what the Legislative Black Caucus's priorities will be on, on issues like DEI? Absolutely. So one, first and foremost, around issues around DEI, we will continue to stand strong knowing that diversity, equity, and inclusion must be protected. And if there are any attempts to remove um, those matters or even to try to push them back, um, we're going to be right there to fight alongside of those issues and making sure that we do um, have diversity as inclusion in any capacity, whether it's our UW systems, um, our education, even to other areas like healthcare and addressing disparities in our state. So in terms of the UW system, there is a memo about uh, a illegal clothing that did occur. I, I personally, so I'm speaking as the state rep, Dora Drake, um, I'm looking to file a formal complaint um, to see what next steps can be taken moving forward. Well, we'll be certainly, we will certainly be following that. And Dora, thank you so I'm much sure you <laughs> for joining us here uh, on WTMJ Nights. And uh, best of luck in your work going forward. Thank you, Dan. You guys have a great night. All right, thank you. We are headed to break here. And when we return, we will be joined by Jeremy Janine of Urban Milwaukee. We're going to be talking about some of the upcoming local elections in, this, in, in the city of Milwaukee. Uh, stick with us. Welcome back to WTMJ Nights. My name is Dan Schaefer. I'm your guest host this evening. I'm the founder and writer of the Recombobulation Area, a weekly opinion column and online publication covering news and politics in Milwaukee and Wisconsin. If you want to learn more about the Recombobulation Area and the work that we do there, you can find us at therecombobulationarea.news, Recombobulation Area on Substack, 
And you can also find me on Twitter at Dan R. Schaefer, where I'm occasionally tweeting about things other than the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, one of those things that I will tweet about from, from time to time are some local elections. Uh, and our guest for this last half hour of the show is Jeremy Janine, the founder and president of Urban Milwaukee, who covers the city as closely as anyone else. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So... We are kind of in the, the last little bit of a slow part of the election calendar uh, in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, you know, we don't necessarily have something uh, something coming up. We're not seeing those uh, campaign ads every five seconds whenever we turn on any screen or knock airwaves or wherever. Knock yeah, wood. knock on wood here. Um, but we are coming up pretty close to some local elections uh, in the, the spring election, the nonpartisan uh, spring election, where you have a number of these uh, local races for you know, whether it's a county board or common council or mayor or county executive, uh, those are some of the things that are coming up here. And we're just over a month away uh, from the primary uh, on February 20th. Uh, so there, you know, a lot of candidates are out there collecting signatures, getting on the ballot. We talked to Evan Goyke earlier in the show. He's running for Milwaukee City Attorney. Uh, but let's start with, you know, I guess what would perhaps be considered the top of the ticket here in Milwaukee. So Mayor Cavalier Johnson is running for re-election. County Executive David Crowley is running for re-election. Are they facing any challengers as of yet? Well, we have a Crowley-Crowley race for County Executive. Daniel Crowley has entered the race against David Crowley, David Crowley being the incumbent. Uh, I don't know that we'll consider that a major challenge at this point, but there is a race technically. For the mayor, we have Cavalier Johnson, the current mayor, is being challenged by David King, who's run for a number of offices as a Republican. City offices are all nonpartisan. Uh, and then Anthony Troop is also in the race. And again, I don't know that we'll label either of those as major challengers. Yeah, much different from the last time we had a mayoral election when a lot of different people you know, were jumping into the race. It was the first time that there was an open mayoral primary in you know, a generation, basically, uh, in the city of Milwaukee when, when Cavalier Johnson won that race after Tom Barrett uh, resigned to become the ambassador to Luxembourg. Uh, and so a little bit different dynamic here. I think you know, it, it, seems like, uh, it seems like the challengers to Mayor Johnson haven't really materialized as of yet. Do you, do you expect that to change uh, in the coming weeks at all? I, I don't. I think if we saw that challenge, we would have seen it earlier this summer. Uh, referencing a column I think you actually wrote recently about kind of the change in attitude around both the city and county budgets. Both County Executive David Crowley and Mayor Cavalier Johnson scored what is publicly viewed right now as big wins in securing the sales taxes this summer to save their budgets. Uh, those taxes haven't gone into effect yet. They're incredibly popular people at the moment. We'll see what happens four years from now. But for right now, it's easy sailing for them into the election season. Yeah, you know, when uh, in 2020, it was a, obviously a pretty bizarre election cycle that, that kind of got upended by the pandemic. But David Crowley it fought. A, it was a close race when he was when he was elected. He defeated uh, Chris Larson in that race. And then when when Mayor Cavalier Johnson ran, it, it was a pretty sizable victory that he had over over Bob Donovan once it was the uh, once it was the head to head. But we're really not like you mentioned. the The big news of the year for local government was the shared revenue and local sales tax deal that happened kind of upstream at the state level. Uh, made uh, for probably the, 
I don't know, most positive budget season in Milwaukee in a generation. I think uh, that's safe to say, yes. Yeah, so we had, you know, instead of talking about which parts of the city are going to be cut, there were actually some increases here and there. Uh, prop- uh, the county was able to reduce property taxes for the first time in more than 30 years. Uh, so things that voters would probably be pretty happy with from their leadership. Uh, and the fact that they you know, no significant challenger has materialized as of yet, I think is a pretty big deal. Um, you know, it just says a lot about the way that Johnson and Crowley have operated in their first terms. Yeah, and I think it also speaks to the coalitions they've built both uh, publicly and working with Republicans at the state level and um, behind the door scenes with their campaign teams. We're talking with Jeremy Janine, the founder and president of Urban Milwaukee. We're looking ahead uh, at some local elections. So if you have thoughts on some of those local elections, join the conversation. Give us a call. Shoot us a text. The Old National Bank talk and text line 855-616-1620. Uh, we talked. We also talked uh, to uh, one of the candidates for for city attorney uh, earlier in the show today, Evan Goyke. Uh, there was some news on the incumbent city attorney this week as well. What what was happening there? Well, he is actually running again. So he was in headlines for reasons that weren't negative. So that was a huge positive in his case. Um, but yeah, Tierman Spencer has has drawn quite a bit of uh, negative headlines in his tenure as city attorney. Yeah, there's just been. He characterizes it as he replaced a 30-year incumbent and people have been out with the long knives to get him. The people that are critical of him are saying, no, your management style, management practices are uh, bad, I guess, for <laughs> to summarize them quickly. Uh, most recently, he's been in the news for an inspector general report from the Common Council that recommended criminal charges against him and one of his deputies for misuse of um, time in terms of doing private practice work, what his deputy was doing and that his oversight of him and a whole host of other management issues. But he declared or he announced that he was running this week. He held a fundraiser. I believe it was Thursday night. And for the city attorney to put out a fundraiser notice with a bunch of typos on it looked a bit embarrassing. That's uh, maybe maybe it's what we come to expect from the from the term Spencer experience uh, as city attorney. Uh, we're talking with Jeremy Janine, uh, the founder and president of Urban Milwaukee. Jeremy's going to be sticking with us here in studio uh, for the remainder of the show here up until nine o'clock. Right now, we are going to be headed to break, but stick with us. My name is Dan Schaefer. I'm your guest host this evening on WTMJ Nights. We'll be right back. Welcome back to WTMJ Nights. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm your guest host this evening. My name is Dan Schaefer. I'm joined for this half hour of the show by Jeremy Janine, the founder and president of Urban Milwaukee. We're talking a little bit about the upcoming local elections in the city of Milwaukee and Milwaukee County. Uh, We were talking just before the break about... uh, the fact that Mayor Cavalier Johnson and County Executive David Crowley don't really have a whole lot of serious challengers as of yet uh, running against them uh, as they're, as the incumbents uh, right now. But that doesn't mean that there's not a lot of intrigue happening, uh, perhaps, in other parts of the ballot. So you, you cover City Hall as closely as anyone in the city of Milwaukee. Uh, and so there, there has been a whole lot of change at the Common Council in recent years, uh, and there is projects to be some some more change coming up uh, with this spring election. So, uh, so what are some of these races at the Common Council uh, that are standing out to you right now? Sure. So, in perspective, the Common Council has 15 seats. Mayor Cavalier Johnson was one of those seats. His budget director, his Office of Violence Prevention director, 
Then there was another person that turned over at about the same time he was elected and someone else resigned. So there's five, a third of the council turned over. We're now looking And that was just within the last couple of years. Yeah. Last 18 months. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We are now looking at three more seats turning over a two for sure. Um, longtime county board member that became a common council member, Mark Burkowski from the southwest side, is hanging it up. And uh, what someone I know uh, jokingly calls the young Michael Murphy, he's been there now 30 years on the west side of Milwaukee, um, is also retiring. And then Khalif Rainey uh, has yet to file to run for re-election. He has until December 22nd to do so until some kind of weird stuff starts to happen with election law. Uh, but at this point, he doesn't seem like he's running for re-election. So that's three seats and two relatively heavy hitters on the Common Council that are turning over. Yeah, so that obviously projects to be, you know, a big change uh, for the council. You know, you mentioned Michael Murphy being there. Uh, I think the longest tenured uh, member of the Common Council serving for more than 30 years uh, in, in my district, the 10th district on the west side of town. Um, and so I think, you know, that is certainly one of those uh, districts that's that's going to be one to watch as we go forward. Who, who are the candidates uh, who are who are jumping into that race right now? My um, bookmaking, I guess, puts Charlene Moore way out in front at the moment. But there are other candidates in the race. There is a David Bowen. It is not the David Bowen that is a state was a state representative. It's David A. Bowen, who actually lives in Shorewood, according to his election documents, which is going to be a legal That's challenge. That's going to be a little for, complicating yes. if he's going to run to represent the west side of Milwaukee. Um, there's Richard Gelden, who's ran against Michael uh, Murphy unsuccessfully um, at least once, if not twice. And then Alicia Mullins is the latest candidate to file to run. So there's four candidates in that race. That district stretches from about 35th in Wisconsin west to the zoo. It includes Dan's home up in the Washington Park, Washington Heights area. Um, It just kind of defines the west side of the city. Yeah, and you mentioned Charlene Moore is probably the the favorite right now uh, for that. She is the uh, executive director of Urban Underground. Uh, and she has been, you know, I think involved in the, the nonprofit sector in a number of ways in Milwaukee for, for many, many years. Yes. Her and her husband, Reggie Moore, who's a name uh, many people might know for his work in the anti-violence, uh, violence prevention space. Um, Reggie and Charlene are longtime leaders in that space. County Executive David Crowley actually came up through the Urban Underground program, um, as did a number of other kind of leaders in the nonprofit space and political world. So, yeah, that's that's certainly one to watch as well. Uh, you mentioned uh, Mark Borkowski. Uh, he's probably the most conservative member uh, of the of the Milwaukee Common Council, and, and he's resigning after a long career in local government. Yeah, I think we can safely remove the probably declaration there. Yeah. Uh, for the nonpartisan Common Council, the, you know, there's not a Republican or Democrat way to pick up your garbage. Uh, Mark Borkowski <laughs> is still safely the most conservative when it comes to things like police settlements, police practices, you can usually count on him taking the most conservative viewpoint, especially in the absence of Bob Donovan now. Uh, he's going to be replaced by what looks like to be uh, county supervisor County supervisor Peter Bergelis, who challenged him unsuccessfully in 2020. Um, it looks like it's going to be a big swing there. Peter is a very, very liberal person um, that's connected to the Democratic Party. That'll be a huge shift um, in the dynamics of the council, both because despite being the most conservative, Mark Borkowski is a, uh, a loud and impactful voice on the Common Council, and he chairs the Judiciary and Legislation Committee, which approves things like police settlements. 
We're talking with Jeremy Janine of Urban Milwaukee. Uh, he covers City Hall as closely as anyone. So we are looking ahead uh, to some of those local elections that are happening uh, in the Milwaukee Common Council. You know, it, it, we're at a slow point in the election calendar. So we are, we are coming up uh to uh, we are you know we're going to be ramping up a little bit like you mentioned the filing deadline uh, for a lot of these candidacies you said it's just a week away right uh, that's for the incumbents for the to incumbents file. so okay. then if the incumbent doesn't file it extends that filing deadline out for everyone else to get their two hundred signatures to appear on the ballot so everybody else has to get those signatures uh, by by when er, very early January very early January so it's in a very important time these next few weeks uh, to figure out who is going to be representing uh, the various districts on the Milwaukee Common Council uh, we're coming up close to a break here Jeremy is going to join us uh, for the remainder of the show we're talking about local elections if you have thoughts questions for Jeremy uh, questions for me give me, give us a call shoot us a text on the old National Bank talk and text line eight five five six one six and you know what? Democracy happens from the ground up. This is, you know, we can talk all day about the president, uh, all day about what's happening in the Senate and the Congress and what have you. Democracy happens from the ground up. So if you really want to get involved in making a change in your own backyard, here's a great opportunity to do it right here uh, by getting involved in local elections. So, uh, again, if you have questions about this, give us a call. Shoot us a text, 855-616-1620. We are going to be headed to break now, but Jeremy is going to stick with us uh, after the break as well. So uh, we hope you stick with us, too. And, again, my name is Dan Schaefer. I'm your guest host today, and we will be right back. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with me and my work, if you want to learn more about what I do, if you're enjoying the show and enjoying this, uh, you can come find more of my uh, what I do at the Recombobulation area. Uh, I write and publish a weekly opinion column on news and politics in Milwaukee and Wisconsin. Uh, you can subscribe for free at the Recombobulation area. Get the newsletter in your inbox for free. If you want to you know, take another step, support a local independent news organization, uh, you can become a paid subscriber as well. We're currently offering 25% off all of our subscriptions at the Recombobulation Area through the holiday season. So come find us at the RecombobulationArea.news, Recombobulation Area on Substack, and you can also find me on Twitter at Dan R. Schaefer. Uh, our guest for this half hour of the show is Jeremy Janine, the founder and president of Urban Milwaukee, another publication that you should uh, subscribe to as well. And we've been talking about uh, some of the upcoming local elections that we have uh, right around the corner uh, in the city of Milwaukee. We were talking about, uh, before the break, we were talking about some of the open seats uh, with with aldermen who are resigning. Mark Borkowski is resigning. Michael Murphy is resigning. Uh, There are going to be a number of competitive elections coming up, and I think one that, uh, you know, people are always focused on because it involves downtown uh, and it involves a pretty high-profile member of the council is Bob Bauman. Bob Bauman is the representative downtown for... Is it more than 20 years now? 2004, so we're very close. Close to 20 years. Nice round number for, for Bob there as he comes up on re-election. So uh, what, what's happening with, uh, with that election? Well, I've been monitoring uh, the Milwaukee Election Commission as this document of all the candidates who have, hey, I'm intending to run. I've turned in my signatures, and this name appeared, uh, Rehani Boynes. And many in Milwaukee might know him actually as Ray Nitty, the rapper or the hip-hop artist. And he's become involved in the community with, within the Corridor Project, which is a whole other story for another half hour, another day. 
um, real estate development, affordable housing development at 32nd and Center. Um, he's also doing a uh, creatives, arts-focused organization, kind of a consulting practice and engaging um, people from the Milwaukee community. Uh, but he was posting that he was running, and Bob Bauman's uh, wife, Bob's only been married for less than 10 years at this point, um, left some comments um, that were, I think it's safe to say, were racial in nature on uh, Ray's Facebook page. And Bob Bauman quickly um, indicated that he did not agree and that he would ask for privacy in his relationship with his wife at this moment in time. And anyone who's seen Bob Bauman can guess that that probably wasn't the happiest moment in closed doors there. Yeah, uh, that was, you know, uh, an unfortunate dust up. Some unfortunate comments, you know, they they did seem like pretty racist comments uh, coming from Bauman's wife uh, as in terms of, you know, just a reaction to, to I guess, a potential opponent, uh, which is which is just really not great. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm interested in this race more generally because you know, Bauman can be a divisive figure. He's he's obviously you know involved in some of the big projects that are happening in the city. Uh, but he he can often make some of these big sweeping comments on things. Uh, he has a lot to say. Um, you know, do you think he's vulnerable in in his position at all? No, I, at least not from the challengers I'm seeing. There is another person in the race, Anne E. Turk Retchewall, um, who also lives downtown. Uh, Bob Bauman lives on the far west side, kind of just west of the Marquette campus. Interestingly, uh, Rehanio Boynes lives on the far, far northwest side, so he would have to move to actually mm. technically qualify to be on the ballot. So there's there's questions there. There probably is some political route to challenge Bob Bauman, but this doesn't seem to be it despite the early misstep. And we only have a couple more minutes here, but the county board uh, will also have be you know the whole county board is up for re-election as well. Uh, what are what are some of the uh, intriguing races happening there? Yeah, so there's 18 county board seats. Unlike the council, they're two-year terms and they're part-time jobs. So it's a, it's a different stakes. Uh, there are four politicians hanging it up: Tony Staskunis, Liz Sumner, who's running for comptroller; Peter Bergelis, who's running for the common council; and Ryan Clancy, who's now a state representative. So there's four races there. There's actually, if you live in Tony or in Peter Bergelis's district, which again is Dan Schaefer's home, um, <laughs> kind of stretching from American Family Field south then to the southwest side of the city. There's not no one has filed to run in that race. You can fi- get 200 signatures and you got a part time job. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, the other three at least have one candidate in the race. There's some challenges on the far northwest side. Deanna Alexander is being charged, ch- challenged by Marty Hagerdorn, who is the father of Supreme Court Justice Brian Hagerdorn and William. Um, or sorry, I'm looking at my notes wrong and reading them backwards. Brandon Williford is also in the race. So there's a three way race up there. There's some other races with challengers like Sheldon Wasserman on the northeast side of Milwaukee County. Well, we will uh, be sure to follow your work at Urban Milwaukee as uh, as these races unfold over the next couple of months. Uh, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us and, and sharing your insight on a number of these races. Thanks for having me. And thanks to all of you who have joined us uh, for the last couple hours here on WTMJ Nights. Again, my name is Dan Schaefer. If you want to learn more about me and my work, you can find me at the recombobulationarea.news, recombobulationarea.substack.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Dan R. Schaefer, where I will occasionally tweet about things other than my beloved Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Thank you again for all of us for joining me. uh, And Bucks and Six.